Hello, my name is Kiana W. Mitchell, and I am a singer, songwriter, podcaster, and relationship coach. I am also a Christian who for years grew up in a religion that taught me to fear God instead of have a relationship with God. It wasn't until I lost my religion and developed a relationship with God that I was able to understand how much God really loved me. Each one of us have a story to tell about how we found God. Each one of us have taken a different path and a different journey to find God. So join me as we go on a journey through interviews and music to discover how people find God. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Finding God Podcast. I am your host, Kiana W. Mitchell. My guest this week is Rachel Wilson. Rachel was referred to me to be a guest on the podcast, and for some reason or another, we kept missing each other. Like seriously, our first three attempts to connect and record the podcast, we missed each other. However, I am very grateful that we were eventually able to get in contact with each other and finally connect to record the show. Rachel has a lot to share about how she was able to find God while she was trying to fill the void of not having a father. So without further ado, here is the interview that I did with Rachel. Hello, Rachel. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Nice to be on this show and thank you so much for allowing me to be on it today. Absolutely. And thank you so much for being a guest. I truly appreciate you for being a guest on the show. My pleasure. My pleasure. I'm excited about just our combo. You know, it's nothing like ladies getting together, just chilling and, you know, just just talking about life and God. So I'm excited. Absolutely. Me too. So I do have my (laughs) first question that I always call my introductory question. What was your childhood like? Oh, man. So my childhood was like very, very good from my perspective in the area of I grew up with um, have a mother that had 11 children. And so at one time, I think it was eight of us in the house all together, because when you have 11 children, they're not technically all children. You know, you have some that's already, you know, young adults and things like that. But uh, can you imagine at one time it was like eight of us in the house? And so it was really, really fun because, you know, you have the company. I have um, two sisters. We're like a year and a half apart. So we kind of wore each other clothes. We did stuff (laughs) together. We fought together, you know, (laughs) we fought each other sometimes. And I'm not, I'm not proud of that, but you know, well, at least people, most people know when you have like siblings, sometimes there's a sibling war, so to speak, but we loved each other. So that was kind of like my upbringing coming up, but um, with the with the big family, just giving you that perspective. But also one of the things I most certainly love about having a, a childhood is having a um, relationship with Christ. My mother was, you know, devout in her faith and her belief with, with Christ, you know, as a Christian. Mm-hmm. And so all of us was raised up in church. So that is like, especially now being where I'm at now in my life and I'm now raising my kids up, that was like huge and very beneficial. But just giving you a small synopsis, I also grew up with, you know, my mother being a single parent due to some, you know, situations that have happened where 
separations have taken place in the family as well. So also have that, that, that side as well. I have that side of um, having the just single parent and having that desire of being broken as a child, longing and crying sometimes at night, you know, not wanting my mom to know or sisters or no one to know about missing my father as well. I totally get that because I also, I didn't have a big family. My mom, she had a big family. She had 13 brothers and sisters. Yeah, I know. Right. I had, well, I had two older, I had older brother, older sister on my dad's side, but they didn't live with me. But then it was me and my other two sisters. So it was three of us and we were close in age. So I understand the fighting and I understand the wearing the same clothes. I get all of that because that's how we were. I also was in a single parent home and my mom was also a Christian. So I, I get a lot of that. I resonate with your story, honestly. Love it, love it, love it. Yeah, we could definitely both drink a cup of tea or coffee together. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. So tell me more about when you mentioned how sometimes you would miss your dad and how sometimes you would cry about it, but you didn't want anyone to know. And I get that because sometimes when you do grow up in a single parent home, you kind of want people to know about your tears or cryings. And then especially like, I'm just going to say, I know that in a lot of African-American homes, crying is just not something you're told to do. It's just like, come on, suck it up. You'll be fine. Get over it. You know, so you don't really let people know you're crying because it's not something that people like can really identify and see, especially when we were younger. Now, now I think it's a little bit different. Things are changing, but back in the day, like, suck it up, stop crying, you'll be okay. So tell me a little bit about that. Like, how did it affect you growing up? How did it affect your view of yourself? Well, absolutely. Um, And that's just one thing. And I can share other things as well. But that that was a big hit for me, for some reason, Mm -hmm. not really, um, per se, meeting or knowing my dad as a father and cover me, although he was for a certain time. But I believe that him and my mom separated and were divorced, I think, when I was two. So I really have no recollection or no memory at all of a father. But it's really weird that I was that uh, daughter, and I possibly, my sisters may have struggled with this as well, but I can only speak for my own self. I was really that one that really, really wanted a father. And I know that because how do you know as a young girl you want a father? Like, I was really, really young, longing for a father, wishing I, I, I'm like the AKA bona fide daddy's girl with no daddy. And so it's kind of weird. You can still be born with that great desire, but there's no father there to release that upon. And so I hid my tears and I did, I never really, I shared sometimes with my sister or maybe a little bit, but I really didn't want to bring that burden to a mother that's a single parent mother because I already seen she had to take care of us. I seen how she had to hustle. She did a lot of things to make sure we had bread and we were covered. So to be a young girl going to your mother with that was like really kind of like, oh, no, I can't put more burden on stress on her. I didn't want her to worry about me worrying for a father that's not there or or never coming back, really, you know. So um, that really hit me in a lot of areas and broke me because what it did is, and I want to say this to those that are out there, even those that may possibly be fathers that are out there, your child identity gets shaped when they're really, really young, whether you're present or not. It tells them a lot about authority, respect and authority, what the role the father has. All of that is a shaping mechanism when we're young, not when we're old. And so I felt uncovered. I felt unloved. I felt like 
wow, my father don't care enough about me to call me or to connect or to ever see are we okay or call for our birthdays. It really built a warped mindset starting from a young girl to say I'm unloved. I'm not even cared about. And then as a result of that, I had this desire in me. Well, maybe if I ever get loved by a man, maybe if I ever, what if a guy really loved me or if I get married, it opened up another desire to say, you know, maybe love would be found. I can replace that fatherly love if I'm ever loved by a man. And so see, for me, thank God, because I had those strong Christian roots, God was able to cover me through that process. I, even though I still had that problem and I dated and I looked for love and I, I got multiple heartbreaks trying to look for my father in someone else, but I was anchored in God. But there are some people that have really went through some stuff that's drastically like being promiscuous. I didn't deal with any of those things, but it could have went another way right. because of my search for love. So that's a pretty big deal when it comes to shaping your mind, because I'm like, I was five then, but I'm 46 now. So you're looking at 41 years ago that I struggled with that. And that was like my, that was like my, um, if you will, that was kind of like my exodus uh, or my my beginning is what I'm trying to say. My genesis of a young girl and my perspective on where I'm at and what adults do. And so um, I think many people can relate. And that's just the name one thing as a child. And then, of course, I went through bullying. So the first shaping mechanism is no father. He doesn't care. He doesn't, you know. And then um, skipping through the story, fast forward in a little bit. Um, it went through the bullying. And so because we were single, my, my mother, uh, beautiful mother and did the best she could. Great mother, strong wom woman of God. Um, but because we didn't have that other father, it also caused lack and poverty in our home. And we struggled on the financial level, which is it makes common sense. You don't have that other income or that other support system there. And so as a result of that, many times we would go to school and, and, and it, this was not my mother's fault. This is nothing that she did intentional. We just didn't have. But yeah. other kids will begin to talk about you and bully you. Uh, when you don't have, you know, when you didn't have, we didn't have a washer and a dryer for a season, a short season. But in that little time, that was when my brain was being shaped with no father. Now, oh, if I don't smell like other kids, if I don't have what other kids have, I'm labeled as poor or I smell or whatever the case is. And that is where the shaping of my mind was. And it, you, and it, believe it or not, I went into like a cave of just being quiet and shutting down um, where I didn't want to talk. I was afraid to be me. I was afraid to talk. And I look at it now because I'm a woman. Now I'm a spokesman. I'm an advocate for women. I'm like, oh, my God, my circumstance really tried to shut down and did shut down my mouth and shut down my calling um, very, very early. So I want to say that to even parents that are out there, be very careful how you handle your children. You know, uh, whether you know or not what they're called to do, do your best. Try to maintain the best you can to have a good standard as parenting and to cover them. Even if they don't have a father, bring them. And my mother did a good job with trying her best to tell us the situation with our father in a loving way to not damage his name or his credibility. Um, but I think all of that can help them heal because you just never know what child you have. You got a child that is uh, called to be an advocate for women and I'm completely shut down with, um, with being shy and not wanting to speak. 
at all as a little girl because of what I had or what I didn't have or my father. All of those things kind of played a role uh, to close, shut me down as well. So, so yeah, it's pretty, pretty, pretty big with that father. Yeah, definitely. I totally understand. And it's like a lot of people, and it's uh, it's amazing to hear that you said that um, even though you didn't have a father, you always wanted one. I read books about people, men as well, women as well, who their dad was not there, but they always had that desire for their father. And so I totally understand. I think with me, I was more of a mama's girl. So since she was the one there, I kind of didn't care, but it just made me angry. Like, okay, well, fine. You don't care about me. I don't care about you either. It just made me angry toward him and not sad. So for me, it went the other way. I was just angry and bitter and didn't really trust God. So you mentioned how God played a huge role in your life. Now tell me while you were going through this, how did God hold you together? How did God help you during that time when you recognized, oh, God loves me? Oh man, well, I would find that through the threads of my mother. Um, one of the things that you're very beneficial, that's very beneficial, um, and organic is when you have a parent that is living right and trying to do the best they can to exude God or teach you the right way. Right. So with her, my mother having that understanding, she brought us to a place where really there are some soul wounds and things that we go through in life that only God can heal. You know, I'm just, I'm just a believer for that, that God, there are some things in Rachel, there's no man, excuse me, there's no woman, there's no mother, father, sister, brother, um, that would be able to heal. There are some things we have to be brought to Christ for him to only heal because he, he's the creator and he knows the places we don't even know sometimes the, the areas in our life is damaged. And so because my mother did that, that really made a big difference because I began to be on a search and on a quest for God and want to, I would talk to him a lot. You know, I would, um, when I'm by myself, I would just want to know him and ask him more, why am I in this situation? And I did struggle with what you struggle with. I did struggle with a lot of bitterness and anger, but it was toward God. Um, although it was probably primarily coming from my situation, you know, cause the poverty makes you feel some type of way, not having a father makes you feel some type of way. And you're just a child. You don't even know what emotions and all this stuff is. You're just dealing with whatever. But I do know all of my anger was projected toward God. I felt like, God, why you didn't get, why my mom don't have, why I don't have a dad? Yeah. As if he's handing out fathers and sisters and brothers and he's overlooking me. That is the way the the, um, the immature mind perceived it. As if God, why, you know, like my mom, I want my mom to be happy. I want somebody to help my mom. So I, I was, I remember praying those prayers to God without understanding, not really understanding um, that life runs on a system. And we, as people and believers, we get make any decision we want to make and it will hurt and harm our children, whether we intentionally do that or not. So it had nothing to do with God. It had everything to do with a decision of a man and a woman. And yeah. we know that as adults today, it's, it, it's not God giving, handing out, you know, giving people bad yeah. deals and giving people good deals. It's like people make decisions. People have free wills. So with all that being said, uh, skipping up a little bit, um, I, of course, at a young age, I received the Lord. But then I went through this uh, transition as a young teenager. And then I got to a place where although I personally, he was my personal savior and I loved him, but it was hidden under 
a bushel, you know, (laughs) I hid mine under a bushel when it came to school because it really was not cool. It was not like, you know, like swag or fresh or awesome, you know, all them old school words. It wasn't like none of that back in my time. It was very like, oh, you go to church, you know, you're a church girl. Mm -hmm. And so because I understood the system in the public school, I kind of hid my faith. And now if someone asked about my faith, I would, you know, okay, yeah, I go to church, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. most, it wasn't too many people interested. So as a result, I became fake and phony. I just kind of blended. I, I had this relationship with the Lord. I was anti on a lot of the stuff secular people were doing at that time that I knew wasn't Christ-like, but I just blended. I didn't, I wasn't stick, standing out bold in my faith and I was not like saying I wasn't a Christian, but I was just blending. But after 16 and you may have read this even in my bio, uh, my family got in a, a horrible car wreck. I mean, yeah. horrible. Yeah. So I we got in that horrible car wreck and I had just turned 16. So I was like, just transitioned from that 15 mark to 16. Mm-hmm. And honestly, um, I think you're, how, is your name Kiana? Yes. Yay. I said it right. Yeah. <laughs> you <did. it's> wonderful. <laughs> You know, that because it's so many beautiful names and they're pronounced different. But yeah, Kiana. So when we got in this wreck, girl, listen, my world died because I knew that if our family of six flipped over this particular like mini slope and cliff coming down the hills, the high hills of San Diego, it is impossible for anybody to live. There is no way you're going to live if you're because my mother had um, our, our car, which just filled it with gas just at eight. And the she had a front wheel blowout doing 65 miles an hour down a slope. Oh, and God. the blowout happened going down and all of us is in this car. And the she was screaming and she was even telling me, oh, my God, because we had a blowout. It sounded like a bum blew off. It was so loud, but it was a front wheel tire. Will anybody know anything about tires if it blow out? You have to, it didn't matter what we were doing. The car did its own thing because it has no will to spin. And we screamed and we hollered. And I'll never forget that torment. And the whole entire car went backwards. We're literally sitting there watching the whole, in the car, watching the car go backwards off of that slope. That slope looked like a cliff to me. I would call it a cliff. That's what it looked like. Where we're totally airborne. And we're in there screaming for our life. And I knew with everything in me, this was it. You will never graduate from high school. You will never get married. How in the world would my life end? I just turned 16. Everything, just like you hear people say, like everything that you would ever, you've ever been through or you ever went through, it's like it get regurgitated back up in your thought life. It's like you remember everything. It's like everything really is coming to a head. And I can remember more than anything, I was begging God. To, and I know this sound weird because I was already, I had already received him, but because I knew that I was more of a, like a fake and I, I was ashamed of God, I was so confused at where am I going? Am I really going to make it into heaven? Is this really going to happen? Because Lord, oh my God, I didn't, I know I didn't do right. I know I was ashamed of you. So I remember just repenting for my sins and saying, Lord, quickly as you know, all this stuff is going in my mind. We're screaming, we're flipped over, you know, we're airborne. It took a yeah. minute for us to hit the ground. And I'm like, God please just make it, let me make it heaven. Forgive me for all my sins. Forgive me, Lord, that I was not, I was ashamed of you. I said, I I remember saying all of that stuff. And then I remember every thought was in my mind. Wait a minute. What if I do make it? 
But right. even if I make it, I don't want to be in this earth because I know it's impossible for everybody in my family to live. So I don't want to yeah. live and then have like a five casket funeral. You sure. know, it's like everything was going in my mind and make a long story short as I was praying that and just begging. I remember just pleading and begging God for my life and begging God for my family life. We finally hit down and it was like the hardest hit ever. And somehow another, I remember when that hit finally hit, how in the world was flipping down that slope in the hill. My mom somehow jumped out the car, which doesn't make any sense. She yeah. jumped out of the car. And I'm like, I remember when we hit the final hit, I, first thing I remember doing is wiggling my toes. And I said, I'm wiggling my toes in my mind. I can really feel this doesn't make sense. I wiggled my hands. And I'm looking around. There's no blood on me. The whole entire glass is, we're upside down. The car is spinning. Gas is pouring out. There's, I mean, just upon impact, they said the car should have blown up. We had just right. filled the gas. Gas is coming out. Stuff has burst everywhere out of the car except our bodies. I jumped out. I had nothing but this tiny little scratch that was coming from my head. It was a tiny little scratch of glass. And it was a tiny little bit of blood coming down. And to this day, God has turned that little scratch into a mole so that I can remember the miracle that he gave me. And Kiana, at that time, when my mom got out and I got out, my mom had minor scratches and bruises. I had maybe a scratch, a tiny little scratch. That was it. Yeah. My siblings, to make a long story short, all um, one of they, one of two of them had to get cut out of the car. Every single person in that car got out with minor scrapes and bruises. That is a miracle. Like this should not have happened. They have had less wrecks where you're going to have fatalities. I'm just telling you, this is not the type of wreck that's like, oh, a little car hit me. No, this is a blowout. And we flipped down a, you know, like, like literally the slope. And I remember getting on my knees at that site that should have been a death site. Yeah. And I died in my will at that place. And I asked God to really, truly, as a 16-year-old, come in my life all over again, rededicated my life. And I said, God, from here out, because there's no way we should receive. We were on the news. The I remember the hospital that picked us up. They did so many examinations. Even when they took that car to the um, to the junkyard, the first thing they said, how many was fatal? And they're like, man, you're not going to believe it. Every single person was a family of six. Everyone walked out with minor scrapes or bruises. Yeah. It, like, it was like a miracle testimony. Like what in the world just happened? And so I knew that my Jesus, my father really heard me. He really gave me a second chance at life. I should, I should have never graduated from high school. I should have never been married. Nothing was supposed, I was supposed to be burying my family if I made it. And they even said, listen, you guys, even if you all made it out of that wreck, you should have been chopped up like hamburger meat. That's what they told us. They literally wow. said, you all should have been chopped up like hamburger meat. They're like, they don't know how in the world you all are all here. Uh, I mean, they just cannot. It doesn't make any sense. But God gave you a miracle. There were some angels from heaven that mm -hmm. God chose to come down. If he didn't come himself, he brought his angels because we were not supposed to be there. And so if you could think about that's going on almost 30, I think 31 years ago that wow. happened to me. from that time, Kiana to now, I have never looked back. I'm not ashamed of God. 
anything that God give me, I glorify him. I'm not here to take his credit. I don't care what he do for me, how high he take me. I'm living on a second life. And mm-hmm. people don't understand that, that, you know, sometimes we play with our life. We play with God. We don't really do right by God. We don't really get fully committed to what God has called us to do. But if you've ever really sincerely almost died, I mean, like, you know, this is the end yeah. and God bring you through that for real. I just can't waste my second life. Um, and that's been 31 years ago and I'm still on fire. I still love God. I still give him everything. It doesn't matter what he does for me. I honor him and I know that, you know, God gave me a miracle and I wanted to make sure that God know that he cashed in on a great miracle. He didn't waste a miracle on this chick right here. This chick is devoted to spend the rest of her breath giving God glory, taking care of my family and being life to anybody that I can. If he give me an opportunity, I, I will spend the rest of my life making sure I lead somebody back to God. That is amazing. Like, I'm still in shock because I know people are running to trees and they died and things like that. So to fall yes. off the cliff and turn over and over and you're still alive and no broken bones. Everybody's fine. None. That is really a miracle. And I can see why now after that, it's more like a relationship and less of like, well, you know, I have to do this. I have to do that. It's more like God is my father. I love him. This is what I'm doing to glorify him. And it does make a difference when it's about a relationship and not about rules, not about regulations. And I tell people this all the time. I'm like, if you cut out the rules, cut out the regulations, cut out the whole religion aspect and just get to know God for who he is, just have that relationship. It's not going to diminish what you do and what you don't do because all the things we're quote unquote not supposed to do. If you have a relationship with God and you love him and you're doing things out of love, you're probably still not going to do those things. And if you do, you're going to ask for forgiveness. And you know, it's going to be a relationship. It's not going to be like, oh no, I'm going to hell now because God's mad at me. You would understand. Exactly. No, not mad. <laughs> like you're human. God understands that. He's here to help you. He's not here to judge you. He is here to help. So I can understand how at that moment it became more of about a relationship than anything else. Yes. That is awesome. Yeah. And that's so powerful what you said. And I want you all to really listen to what Kiana saying because I'm telling you, this girl is in the spirit. It is not about the do's and the do nots. Listen, we serve such a God. He has such a heart. There's such a wide spectrum of love. He loves us and he wants us to give him the reciprocity of love back. He's a God that want to be loved back. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. We, the believing part is us giving him reciprocity. That's the love. He wants us just to believe him not to beat us down and say, you're going to hell and you know, this and this and this and that. And I, and I believe even at that car wreck, I wasn't, now I understand as an adult, I wasn't going to hell, but because like you said, he wasn't judging me and beating me up, but the way my mind was thinking like, Oh my God, I failed God. I didn't even live for him the way I should have. I was saved and I loved him, but I was ashamed of him, you know? And I was thinking of that scripture. Oh my God, if you're ashamed of God, he's going to be ashamed of you in heaven. Oh my God. (laughs) I was thinking of every little thing I did wrong, but that's not the type of God we serve. He's, he's not beating us over trying to say, condemn us that we're going to hell. You know, it's not that, but it was in my immaturity of thinking that, Oh my God, I'm about to die. Oh my God. I hope I did everything right. But none of us really can never do everything right. Right. 
that's where we thank God for his grace. But yes, yeah, so I'm just so excited. Like you said, it's a relationship. I'm doing everything I do now, not to make him love me anymore, because I will never be more loved than I am right now. I, w- I will never be more loved than I was at that site or before that site. I'm not trying to prove anything to him, but I just want as a relationship to give God the reciprocity that he deserved, that God, you gave me a second chance and I will spend the rest of my life spending the rest of my life making, cashing in on that check really good for him. That is wonderful. That is beautiful. So if there's someone out there who's actually looking for God, what advice would you give them? Listen, first of all, if you're looking for God, he's, he's everywhere. He's omnipresent. You can see him through everything, but I want to encourage you to find someone that is in a place spiritual that they will teach you about God. We live and we have faith through what we hear. That is why God put pastors and leaders on the earth. He put people that are teachers that can teach you the word of the Lord so you can understand who God is. Because as a child, I thought God was just mean to me because, you know, I didn't have a father because I wasn't being taught at that moment. But as I kept going to the temple and, you know, or hearing a pastor or someone teach, I'm like, oh, the love of God, he didn't do anything bad to me. So if you're interested in God, I want to recommend that you get connected to some type of teacher and a ministry and pray because the Bible says God give us pastors after his own heart. So pray, which prayer is, is something that you do. It's just basically a communication, talking to God and ask God to lead you to the right voice. And guess what? He will. He loves you. He wants you to be connected to the right teachers. And the reason why I say that, because you will be able to hear what they're saying and you will be able to learn about God and connect with God, not just based on what you feel and think in your mind, but the right way to go about connecting to God. Usually God uses people. He put people on the earth for a reason. He will use a person to teach you. So I want to encourage you. But if you... um just personally want him to be a personal savior. You can do that anytime. You can receive God. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he's Lord, you shall be saved. You can do that instantaneously, even now for some of you that may want to be saved, you can do that. But I recommend that you get higher learning through hearing a good teacher. So pray, seek the Lord and he will, he will compass you in the right direction. I love that. And it's true. I know there have been times when I was going through something or thinking about something or asked God a question about something and I happened to go to YouTube and there was something queued up in my little listening or suggestions, recommendations. And I listened to it. I was like, oh, wow, that's what I'm thinking about. God, I can ask you about that. So, yeah, I totally agree. God will send the yeah. right people to you. And it's important to let God send you the right people so that you don't get people who are going to discourage you or send you down the wrong path. So, yeah, I love Absolutely. that. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Rachel, for being a guest on the show. I really appreciate it. I loved our conversation. And now I'm like, okay, it makes sense why we kept missing each other because, you know, <laughs> we every time I keep missing people, I'm like, okay, so we're really going to have a good conversation because I don't yeah. understand why we keep missing each other. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being a guest. It was nice to have you on the Finding God podcast. Well, it's my pleasure. And anytime, I would love to come back. Thank you. You're welcome. And I will definitely have you back. 
I absolutely love this interview, and I find it to be so interesting that even though Rachel did not have a relationship with her father, that she always craved that relationship. During our conversation, I couldn't help but think about how God is a father to us and how he can fill any void that we have in our lives. So whatever void you have in your life that you are trying to fill, I would like to encourage you to talk to God and ask him to fill that void and begin the healing in your heart. God loves you and he thinks the world of you and he wants to fill that hole in your heart. The song that we are going to listen to today is called What You Say by our Artist of the Week, Sinicess. Now, God, 
If you love the podcast as much as I love spending time with you, I encourage you to share this week's episode with a friend or family member and to make sure that you like and follow the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I would also love it if you would leave a review for the podcast so that you can let me know how much you are enjoying the show. If you would like to get in contact with Rachel, Sin Assassin, or myself, all of our information can be found in the show notes and all you have to do is click on the links below and you will definitely be able to get in contact with us. If you would like to be a guest on the podcast, click on the email address in the show notes and let me know that you would like to be a guest and I will make sure that I get in contact with you and schedule a day and time for you to record an interview. If you would like to submit music to the podcast, click on the email address in the show notes and send me an email letting me know that you would like to submit music to the show. In this email, send me a picture, a short bio, and an mp3 of the song that you would like to submit. Well, I think that's all for now, so until next week, have an amazing day and a wonderful weekend. Bye-bye.